This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Everyone, you are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. The Flyers are in a bit of a rough stretch right now. They're coming off uh, four losses in their last six games. All those losses have come in regulation. Uh, over their first 18 games, they had four regulation losses. Right now, they have four in their last six. They're currently out of a playoff spot. Uh, they do have games in hand on the Islanders, Penguins, and Capitals. But still, uh, right now, they're on the outside looking in. Uh, and they're uh, going through a rough time right now. Taryn, I want to start with you. How concerning is this stretch to you? Or is your finger getting close to that panic button? Uh, obviously, in a regular season, an 82-game season, maybe right now, 24 games in, we would be saying, hey, it's early, it's early. But as we know, this is a shortened season. The division is loaded uh, because it's realigned. How concerning is this stretch to you? Uh, it's definitely concerning because everybody else won last night instead of the Flyers, which doesn't help. Um, but it's also concerning because, like, it's not – you know, at the beginning of the season, we kept saying they're winning games. They shouldn't be winning, but they get two points. So it's kind of like you'll take the good and the bad and move on. And now that's – I think other teams are maybe finding their rhythm or finding their beat, and the Flyers still really haven't. And, and they're not winning. And so you're kind of just left with taking the bad, and that's the tough part. Uh, but, yeah, it's – you know, there's – there are positives to be had, although some people I realize and I understand why I don't want to hear any of them. You know, like the effort is there in stretches of games. The The offensive as part of their game aspect of their game seems like it's coming back. You see it in waves. You see the talent kind of working at will at times against other teams. It's just the, the problems outweigh – the positives is is the concerning part and defensively they still look like there is zero clue what they're doing and and what the identity is going to be we were talking about it joe mentioned this yesterday um before pregame like it's insane what just one matt niskanen leaving has done to the entire defensive core which we thought we talked about how stacked it was before the year started. We were talking about Sam Ram moving to wing because the defense was so stacked. And now they can't seem to put the puzzle pieces together in a way that works. And it's not just on them. So a lot of the defensive structure issues have a ton to do with what the forwards are doing as well. But um, yeah, it's just concerning because it's not like they're, you know, last year there were times where they played games the right way and they lost. 
and you could go, nah, it's fine. Like, well, you know, they're, they're still playing their brand of hockey. I would say even like that last game against the Bruins before the pause, they lost. And I think they got shut out in that game, but AV and I think most people were like, but they, you know, they played the right way and they've been winning a ton of games and it's fine. And now it's just like, I mean, I was, I was pretty like frustrated after that Buffalo game and they won that game. I was just like, this is not how this game should have gone in, in, in any universe. And um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues to resolve and no real practice time to resolve them. Yeah. That's my, a scary my thing long too. synopsis. Yeah. We know, no, Taryn, we know how busy March is. It's there's 17 games this month. There's just very little practice time to really try to work on things, correct things. You're so focused on rest and recovery too, on top of it. Uh, like the Flyers had off uh, today, Friday, after losing that game last night. I think in a regular season, if there's more days off, you 100% put them back on the ice and you work on things. But they really needed rest. They really need recovery. And that's why today's a day off and they'll probably have a morning skate on Saturday. But uh, yeah, when, when you, even just looking at the four regulation losses – the two games they won in this six-game stretch were comebacks. Like, they had this scratch and claw to come back and beat the Penguins in that game when they fell down 3 nothing, and then the Sabres game where they needed a shootout and a comeback to win. So the two wins, they were losing and looking like they like – this very easily could be a six-game losing streak. And over this six-game stretch, they've held only one lead at an intermission, uh, just one. Um, it's absolutely troubling for sure. I don't really know what the answer is. Joe, do you think it could be, hey, maybe some of Lane Vigneault teams, they start a little slower, they figure themselves out later. Uh, some of his best teams really figured it out later in the season. Uh, on top of it this year, you compound it with uh, a completely shortened training camp, no preseason games. Then they had a COVID-19 shutdown. Then their roster was decimated after that. Is it maybe just taking a while to really be figured out? Or do you think this could be the Flyers missing some pieces and they need help? I mean, I think it could be a little bit of both. When you look, though, when you look around the league, though, you have other, every other team is going through, through the same kind of stuff. And I don't think – I mean, you don't hear the Carolina Hurricanes talking about who just jumped over the lightning for first place last night. You don't hear them talking about, you know, we didn't have a training camp and this and that, and Toronto Maple Leafs aren't talking about that. Um, so, you know, and the players on the Flyers, to their credit – will not let that the schedule and the training camp and and all the things that seem to be these common storylines for this season the players won't let that be an excuse to their credit when they're asked about it they always say well that's not an excuse everybody is going through the same thing i do think there's there's missing pieces here and you just like if you if you look at the goals particularly in this washington game last night and you're looking at you're looking at plays where um, uh, the one goal, Brian Elliott, uh, you know, he looked like he didn't want to give the puck to Sean Couturier coming back, and he, he wanted to dish it to Provorov. But they kind of get mixed up, and he forces a play up the boards. And next thing you know, Alex Ovechkin's walking into a slap shot. That's going to that's gonna result in a goal 99 times out of 100, and it did last night. Um, then you have – uh, the, the, the Sanheim mix-up of the blue line that results in the Connor Sherry goal because Eric Gustafson was just coming off the bench for a line change. So Sherry walks in alone and he scores a goal. 
John Carlson walks into a shot all by himself, you know, just above the circles. I mean, these are plays where um, their big guys are wide open. And, you know, it, we saw Ovechkin. Ovechkin could have scored six goals in that game last night, the chances he had. Elliott had to make great saves. He would have had a hat trick in the first period if it wasn't for Brian Elliott. So, I mean, I, I really think it's, it's, it's a little more than just, um, oh, we, we have fatigue or, you know, things like that. I mean, this, there is a fundamental breakdown with their defensive structure and it, it, it is very concerning because, you know, okay. So look at, look, let's take a look at that. The, the, the first Nick Dowd goal last night, he scores two, of course, the ones, the empty netter that he shot the full length of the ice, but Shane Gostaspare, um is back and, and that's, it's a little fluky. He goes off his skates and up into the net. So, you know, you can't really fault Brian Elliott there, but Dowd was given almost a free shot at the net there. And he brings the puck into a crowd in front of the net. And when that happens, anything, you know, anything goes at that point. And, um, you know, the puck ends up in the net. And, and I feel like, I don't know, something, it just, something looks like it's missing on the defensive end. And you heard Travis Konechny say it after the game last night. They don't think it's their offense. Their offense seems like it's okay. Um, I would argue that at times they don't always take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of them. But I don't think the problem is the offense. And I really think it is glaring the defensive, um, the miscues and sort of the breakdowns that happen seemingly on a game-by-game basis. And like Taryn mentioned, that, that Buffalo game, you know, you always see meme, memes out there and faces where it says uh, when a win feels like a loss, that was that game, yeah. a win that felt like a loss. You almost had to remind yourself that that was a win. And, again, it was due to breakdowns defensively against a team that didn't have their best player playing. Yeah, and that's, that's the concern to me too is that they're scoring goals. They're, like, they're, they're scoring 3.25 goals per game. Like offense is not the problem. It's just that they don't have the defensive identity or that tough-to-play-against identity that they had last season. That was the staple of Elaine Vigneault's system was we were going to be tough to play against. We were going to prevent shots, prevent goals, and it's just lost. It's just not there, and that's what's weird. Like, the Flyers weren't like an offensive juggernaut last year. They were good. They scored goals, but a lot of it was a product of just being tough to play against, living in the offensive zone, um, forechecking like crazy. And it created their offense. This year, it just seems like they're playing the defensive zone a lot. You know, they're giving up 3.17 goals per game right now. Last year, I looked it up through 24 games. They were giving up 2.79. Um, and they got better as the year went on defensively, really. So, it's just and, – And, Jordan, if, you, if you've looked at last night, there was even an example last night and a goal wasn't scored on it. Taryn, Scott, and Hartnell and I were talking about this in the newsroom. The Capitals had three guys in front of Brian Elliott, and there was one flyer back, and it seemed like it went on for 15 seconds. They were passing back and forth in front of the crease, deciding which was the better way to score. Now, they ended up not scoring a goal, but still, it, you wonder how, how stuff like that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have a team deciding what's the most efficient way for this puck to go into the net, not just how are we getting it there. And like I said, it didn't result in a goal, but – put those guys there again, 
guaranteed it's going in the net. Yeah. Well, and, and you got to think, and Jordan, you can tell me if, if, if you think I'm wrong here. I know how Joe and I feel about it because we've talked about it in the newsroom, but like part of it just feels like they've approached specifically when it comes to their defensemen, they've approached the situation now in every, from every which angle in every way and changed it and changed it and changed it and trying to see what works. And none of the changes have really worked, but at this point you're starting to think maybe something will work if you stop making changes because it's like, you know, I, I get it. They weren't happy with Phil the other night um, in the third period, but like scratching one of your best skaters against the Capitals really makes you wonder what you're doing. And, you know, I remember talking to a few guys on the coaching staff before the season and, and you could tell all of them were concerned. I mean, and rightfully so about not having Matt Niskanen and the trickle down effect of that. I mean, I, I think they always knew that that was going to have a bigger impact than just like who's going to play next to Proby. Um, but this, this situation of like new D pairs every night and, you, you know, try they, the, the thing at the beginning of the season was they wanted to keep Sanheim and Myers together and they were going to try to work around that. Seeing who would work with Provorov was a big experiment, but also part of it was keeping Sanheim and Myers. And at some point in the midst of all the shuffling, they fully even abandoned that. And, and now you're looking at it and it's, you can tell that sometimes guys don't know where the guy next to them is going to be at. And last year that was never an issue. Like it felt like Provorov and Niskanen like could see each other without seeing each other. And Sanheim and Myers, I think knew a bit that worse came to worse. They could both rely on their skating ability and their size. Um, and then, you know, it'd be like Braun and Haig on the, on the third D pair and just let them do what they do and get Niski and Proby out there again as soon as possible. But now it's just like, there's no, there's no identity anywhere on the team. There's no identity anywhere. Goaltenders, no identity. We know Brian Elliott can do, but obviously that whole situation is what it is. That dead horse has been beaten 80 ways to Sunday. The, the defensive core, no identity. The forwards, getting an identity, I think we could say, working towards one, the efforts there at times. But sometimes they just play so below their ceiling that you think, like, it, it's just, it's all over the place every game, all the time. There has not really been a game against a team that's not the Buffalo Sabres where you've sat there and gone, wow, that was a really good win for the Philadelphia Flyers. I, not that I can think of. There may be one, but I can't think of it right now. You know, and when you really have a state, that, that's what the beauty of a, top, of, of a consistent, constant top pair can do for a defensive core. When you have a stabilizing pair up top, you're, not, you're never touching it. You know exactly what you're getting from those guys. They're going to be playing big minutes, and, uh, and they're going to be playing together. And then all you're doing is just figuring out the bottom two pairs. When you don't, all of a sudden you're mixing and matching like crazy throughout the entire 3D pairs. And I, I guess that's the balance they're fighting is, well, we're trying to stay consistent with it. We're trying to build chemistry by keeping guys together. But when you're a mess and you're giving up goals um, in the four or five goal range, I guess you got to try different things. So, I, yeah, I agree with Taryn, And I think it's just a, a really difficult balance right now of sticking with, 
some consistency with personnel, but also understanding, well, it's not working. We got to try something different. And, uh, and they're in that, they're in that middle right now. And Jordan, I think if you take a look at the, the, the recent times when the Flyers have had success and, and then they've gone to the finals. And when I say recent, I'll, I'll say in the last, um, you know, 35 years or so, or, you know, since they won their cups, um, the, the defensive defense has always had identity. When they went to the cup in 2010, you always knew your top guys were Pronger and Kimo Timonen. When they went to the cup in the nineties, it was Eric Desjardins and Chris Terrian. And when they, in the eighties, when they went to the cup, it was always Brad McCrimmon and Mark Howe. And you just knew it, that those were the guys that were going to be on the ice against the best, the other team's best players. And right now, other than Provorov, I don't know. You, you can't go, okay, well, we're going to put out Provorov and fill in the blank against Ovechkin or against the perfection line when you play the Bruins. I don't know who that second guy is. I don't think they know who that second guy is. And I think I said this in the last podcast. I don't think that second guy, I think there's a chance he's not on this roster right now. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Well, let's go back to the net. Why not? That's all We love talking goalies here, right? Taryn's face says no, but... I'm <laughs> She hasn't talked about it at all in the past few shows. Yeah, exactly. It's, it hasn't been really a topic of conversation because there's no problems there. But, um, hey, it looks like Carter Hart could get the net Saturday. I want to ask you both, and I'll start with Taryn. Should he play Saturday? I think he will. Brian Elliott uh, last night appeared in his fourth game in the last eight days. He turns 36 years old next month. Uh, as big as the game is and as obviously the Flyers are not playing totally well, uh, I think you got to go back to him and, hey, maybe it's a chance for Carter Hart to kind of spring the team to say, hey, we're in a funk right now. We're not preventing goals. Get back out there and uh, get us a big win against the Capitals. Taryn, is it Carter Hart's net on Saturday? And do you think he could be a guy that can kind of spring them forward? Jordan, I don't even know anymore. I don't even know. I don't even know. Um, often to the. I don't know. Scott. Scott thinks it'll be Carter on Saturday. Scott Hartnell said that last night after post game, or on post game at the end of post game. Um, you know the thing that troubles me about Carter, and it's not an excuse because Carter's for being a guy who was like highly touted for his technical abilities. And when he came into the league, it was always, he can compete because he's so technically sound. He technically does not look good this year. Like there are technical issues with Carter Hart. Um, so I'll, I'll acknowledge that. But the other issue with Carter is the team like just does not play well in front of him right now either. And it felt like when, you know, if you, if you remember back to his first year in the league, guys almost buckled down so much harder in front of him I think because they were so protective of him within that goaltender situation where it was like a carousel of goaltenders all year long and Carter was kind of the last resort that they didn't really want to have to pull um 
And guys played so, so protective in front of him and really locked it down. And then last year, I think everybody saw he was competent and they played for, to, to play in the NHL for a season or almost a full season. And people got comfortable. And then this year, I don't know that it's a mental thing. I couldn't even – I think if you'd ask the players, they'd say, I don't know, I don't think so. Um, but, well, I guess they hang Brian Elliott out to dry a lot too. But Brian Elliott's just making the stops right now. It's just – it's not good for, for – I think it's tough when you're Carter and your mental state has gotten fragile. At least, you know, it's what Elaine Vigneault has um, – insinuated and on top of that your team is hanging you out to dry you know multiple times in a game and with Carter he's making the big fantastic saves you know the the stand on your head kind of saves and then like a leaky one gets in and it just seems like it absolutely abolishes any kind of confidence that he built up so playing against the Capitals scares me um, for him on his behalf. But, I mean, at some point he's got to play again. And the Flyers play the Islanders next week, and the Islanders are probably the best team in the division right now. So, like, at some point you've got to do it. I, I have been told on good authority they don't want to play Brian Elliott, like, tons of games in a single week and back-to-back weeks. You know, he's been healthy – for the past two years now, but we know he has had core issues in the past. And as Jordan mentioned, he's starting 36 next month. Um, I think they think he's more than capable of winning games. I think they're concerned about wear and tear. Um, so at some point you have to put Carter back out there. And the, the thing is, is that honestly, you'd want to put Carter back out there and you'd want him to have enough time and build up enough momentum and confidence that like, let's say the Flyers gets the playoffs, which at this point seems like might be an uphill battle you kind of want to have your guy in the playoffs. So, and you'd kind of want Carter to be that guy. So, um, reality situation is they have to put him in the net at some point. So why not? Uh, the other reality situation is, is that he does seem fragile right now, but maybe AV just saying, Hey dude, you got to buck up. Like you, you have to fight. You have to mentally battle and show some toughness. Maybe him calling that out and saying, you know, kid gloves are off is what Carter needs. Who knows? That's what I, I don't think. like. I started this whole long soliloquy with, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know at all. I have no that's idea. What I, that's what I think. Elaine Vigneault is eventually going to do. I think they, uh, of course they look out for Carter Hart. They understand he's 22. They understand he's a kid. They understand right now mentally he's struggling. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it's a 56-game season, and as Elaine Vigneault said, it's about winning games right now. And, uh, and they play Brian Elliott against Buffalo. That's, that's just what I'll never understand. But, like, that's also why it's hard to guess some of these things, because I thought for sure, uh, not to call people out, but I think all, like, most of the people I talked to in the newsroom, meaning, like, Scott and Al, Joe, I don't remember what your stance was on this, was like, I mean, I think they'll play Elliott against Buffalo. Like, I think I, that'll be what I they do. I assumed he was playing against Buffalo. Yeah. You were actually the one that told me it was hard. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, because it was in the rundown. And I was like, I don't, <laughs> yeah. he's not playing. Are we still talking about Brian Elliott? I, I, so I don't understand. I don't understand either. I would love to talk to Kim Dillabaugh, you know, about it, the Golden Coaches, because I would love to know. 
But my guess is, is that some of this is like day to day and talking to them and how they feel and how they look and everything else in between. But Carter's got to play at some point. So when a big part of the Lenino's message was you can't feel sorry for yourself. Like the people that find consistency and success in life are the ones that work through their struggles. They don't feel bad for themselves. And yeah, Carter's a kid, but it's, he's a pro. He's in the big leagues. And I have a feeling that Elaine's going to say, Hey, we need you go out there, prove it to us uh, that, that, um, you can step up for us, give us a chance to win a big game. And boy, Joe, would that do wonders for his confidence if he can go in there in that magnitude of a game and beat the Capitals? Uh, I can only imagine what it would do for his mental psyche. Yeah, I, I think for sure. And, and two, if, you're, if, you're, if, we, if we start to get into this thing, like let's strategically place Carter against this team and that team, let's remember, he got pulled against Buffalo after the first period. So it's not like if you – okay, let's skip the Capitals, let's try to wait for the Rangers, get him a, a game under his belt. He got pulled against Buffalo. So I understand the whole Washington's a high-scoring team, but this, that doesn't really appear to be part of this dynamic right now with Carter. It, so I say get him out there. Um, a win over the Capitals would probably do more than a win over the Rangers. But right now, just get him a win. Yeah. And as soon as possible, I think is the um, should be the operative approach. You get, you have to get this guy a win because, as Taryn said, when you get to the playoffs, you need your guy in the playoffs. I think, and I alluded to this in the last podcast. In this, in sports, you always hear this saying: if you have two of fill in the blank, you have none. Goalies, quarterbacks, you know that you can't have two. Although the Flyers in in 2010, the Flyers survived with two. Yeah, that's a rare occurrence. Yeah, and none of those guys were the clear cut number one in 2010. They had Bush, Michael Layton. I mean, none of those guys were. This is our number one goalie. It was. It was just we had. These are the guys that we have. So, I really think they need to establish Carter again as their guy. He's got to be the guy going to the playoffs. Also, anyone who thinks it's too early to talk about playoffs, we're like halfway through the season, and that happened in a blink of an eye. So it's not, and we're here, and we have to talk about it. So, 100. percent how it's going to be from now on. He said he felt the playoff race started from game one. Uh, that tells you everything right there. The head coach was looking at it as every game is crucial. There is no room for error. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Uh, and speaking of goal prevention, uh, I couldn't help but think about Matt Neskinen on Thursday night just because maybe, you know, the Flyers were playing the Capitals. The Capitals were a team that he won a Stanley Cup with, uh, the team that the Flyers acquired him from. 
Uh, but at the same time, I was just getting ugly flashbacks to 2018-19 where the Flyers were just having a nightmarish time uh, preventing goals and preventing rushes and just living in the defensive zone. And Matt Niskanen, I thought, was such a stabilizing force for them in terms of the Flyers did not play that way last year. I don't remember it often. Uh, they just looked like a polar opposite team because of Matt Niskanen. And to me, if you look at 2018-19, the Flyers did not win a game against the Capitals. 2019-20, Matt Niskanen comes. They're a different team. They win four or five games from Washington, if you include the round-robin game. In those five games, they allowed eight goals total to Washington. This year, three matchups, they've allowed 12 goals already to the Capitals. And uh, they still have plenty of games against them left. Uh, the Flyers worked the Capitals last year. Right now, it looks like the Capitals are working them. They just look like a better team. Flyers didn't lose a whole lot. They're not a totally different team, nor are the Capitals, I wouldn't say. Obviously, they have a different goalie. Braden Holpe, for sure, is gone. But um, I don't think the teams are drastically different. And they look, in the, in the win-loss column, they look a lot different. How much is this team missing Matt Niskanen? Yeah, I think they're certainly feeling it. They're feeling a, a loss of veteran leadership on the blue line. I think they're lacking a stay-at-home presence on defense. Robert Haig is the one they have, and he doesn't even play every game. So it's, you know, they really don't have that. They have a lot of defensemen who push it offensively. And like, like Ghost and Gustafson, these guys, like their defensive part of their game is not the strong part of their – the makeup of them as a player. So, yeah, I feel like they could, they should be in the market for a, a defenseman, a, a stay at home defenseman. I also think there's another thing in play this year. Taryn mentioned Sean Couturier, Sean Couturier as a stabilizing force. I felt like last year, Kevin Hayes was a stabilizing force for the second line. And I feel like this year he's playing a lot more of this risky style of, let's take chances from the center position and that is hurting them defensively. Um, so I think that's another, you know, definitely another part of this, a little part, the bigger part being they don't have the second piece of their top pair uh, on defense right now. Um, clearly the coach, uh, coaching staff was unhappy with Phil Myers recently, but um you know, a guy like that not being in the lineup against a team that skates as well as Washington, I think is problematic. Um, but, you know, it's, again, I, I don't know that the answer to this problem is on the roster right now. Uh, it might need to come from outside. And really, I don't know if there, it's available outside because of the cap and all kinds of things like that. I mean, this is a, it's a different kind of year in terms of those sort of things. Yeah, cap, and we were talking about this the other night. It's, it's the cap, it's availability, it's the expansion draft, it's protecting guys, it's keeping other guys. You know, that was one of the things when a lot of people were kind of, you know, screaming at the sky about Eric Gustafson before the season is you have to sit there and, and think ahead to realistically who you want to protect coming up in the expansion draft, which is – part of the situation as well and if the flyers in this cap situation you know at the time not knowing as well like now people are getting vaccines it feels like the world's reopening a little bit but at the time you, you have phil myers who seems like a high ceiling guy even though he's being scratched right now who seems like a high ceiling guy and a guy with just incredible skating ability 
and, you know, size and natural athleticism that if, if he works hard and if he's able to can develop other parts of his game in ways that guys who don't have all those raw materials cannot do. And he, he costs you like $2 million a year. Like he's not, cause he had no arbitration rights. He, he couldn't go out and try to cost a whole lot more than he does. He's kind of a bargain for a guy who could be a top four. And at one point was playing with Provorov in an experiment on the top D pair as well. You go out and you try to find that guy with veteran experience, he doesn't cost what Phil costs. And at the time, you know, you're looking at the cap situation, wondering how long is this going to be like this? When are teams really going to be able to earn money again? It feels optimistic right now, but um, it, it was just, it was a really bad year for Niskan to retire. In short, it was a really bad year. For a lot of reasons, but he was, I mean, from what I've heard, he was also like terribly unhappy with the way, you know, not with the flyers, but with all the crap of this year and, and being away from young children and family and, you know, stuck in a hotel in Toronto in your room where you can't do it. And you kind of have to understand because that sucks and I wouldn't want to do it. So. Yeah. You and the flyers did the Flyers didn't have time, like they didn't have a normal amount of time to react to him retiring because it wasn't a normal off season. Mm-hmm. So that's another factor here. Yeah, well, you, you, uh, Matt Niskanen told Chuck Fletcher, I think, the day after their play their playoff run ended against the Islanders in that Game Seven, that he was he was really he wanted to retire. He was going to retire, and Chuck told him, you know, hey, sounds good. I appreciate you telling me go home, be with your family, give us some time, and then we'll, you know, we'll talk again and let me know if you change your mind. But still, like you said, Joe, the offseason was seriously, seriously different um, in so many ways that it was. It was difficult to go out and really get a guy of Matt Niskanen's caliber. He said it. They did not think of Matt Niskanen was on the free agent market um, outside of Alex Petrangelo. Um, so it would have required, a, you know, a difficult trade where you probably would have had to subtract in a large way or maybe lose prospects and, Maybe they wanted, to, they, they wanted to see how it looked coming into the season. How, how can we go about replacing him with what we have internally and maybe now seeing what they have, uh, maybe that will spark action. Uh, still about a month ago, legit a month ago to that April 12th trade deadline. March is busy. The evaluation will continue for Chuck Fletcher, and we'll see where the Flyers are uh, after Saturday. Big game on NBC Sports Philadelphia. On, uh, you can catch Taryn Hatcher on pre and post game live. Joe Fordyce will be producing that show. We'll have all the action for you. Um, we look forward to seeing it. But Taryn, thank you so much as always. And Joe Fordyce, thank you so much as always. A special thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer. And as always, Flyers fans, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.